faith. Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts now be found acceptable in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's amazing what Christians agree on. But it's also amazing to me uh, about the things that Christians can find no common ground. Last week we talked about what we believe, teach, and confess about the Bible, and you would think that we could all get on the same page, those pages being the ones between Genesis and Revelation, but we find that there are some people who take liberties with God's word. Today we move to another subject, and it's a subject that most Christians would agree is very important. The subject is baptism. But not when this question is asked. Should we baptize babies? When you start talking about should we baptize babies, we find the Christian church to be sharply divided over this very important question. Now those who say, yes, we ought to baptize babies, and that would be Lutherans and Catholics and Episcopalians and Methodists and so on, they claim biblical support for their position. But those people who say, no, we should not baptize babies, and that would be Baptists and Adventists and many Bible churches or evangelical churches or non-denominational churches say, the reason we don't do it is because the Bible's on our side. Well, pro-infant baptism churches assert that Christ commanded us to baptize babies. The opposing side asserts that nowhere in the Bible is such a command found. In fact, I found one Baptist pastor, as I was doing some research, who went so far as to say that infant baptism is at best useless and at worst harmful. That's pretty opposite of where we're at. In fact, in most of those other churches, they would tend to rebaptize anyone's any people who were baptized as babies. But I think most of you understand that the Lutheran Church has always taught that baptism is for everyone, and that includes infants, that includes babies. That's why we believe, teach, and confess that Jesus wants babies, actually all people, to be baptized. And I'm going to share with you this morning five different reasons why we believe, teach, and confess this. Here's the very first one I'll give you, and it's this, that Christ has commanded us. Now, there are a lot of people in this world, in Christian churches, who would raise the objection. They would say, there is not a single example of infant baptism in the New Testament, nor is there any command to do so. Therefore, Christians should not baptize babies. And yet, I'm telling you that Jesus commanded us to do that. Before Jesus ascended back into heaven, what did the Lord of, church, of the church do? He commissioned his disciples, saying to them in Matthew 28, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, baptize all nations. A phrase that the church down through the ages has understood to mean everyone. In fact, if you were to look at Matthew 25, verses 31 to 32, you'd also see a phrase that includes all nations, which means everyone. All nations are to be baptized. 
regardless of race, regardless of color, regardless of sex, regardless of age, regardless of class, regardless of education. That's why I wore this tie today. All those little itty-bitty footprints on it. And it says here, red or yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. See, Jesus makes absolutely no exceptions in the Great Commission. Jesus did not say, and baptize all nations except for, he didn't say that. If we say that babies are not to be included in the Great Commission, maybe there'd be some other people we should not include in the Great Commission. I mean, what other kinds of people would we want to exclude from being baptized? Now, I'll tell you that it is true that there is no example, none whatsoever, no example in the whole Bible of a baby being baptized. But I also have to tell you that there are no specific examples of old people being baptized either. There are no examples of teenagers being baptized in the Bible. There are no examples of young people, little children being baptized. Instead, we read in Acts For example, in Acts 2 and Acts 8, that men were baptized. In Acts 16, we see that women were baptized. And in the various other places, we see that whole households of people were being baptized. Now, the New Testament authors, who, by the way, were inspired by the Holy Spirit, so this is God's word, did not feel compelled to give us any examples whatsoever of every age group or every category being baptized. But why should they? Because they knew that all nations meant everyone. That's one reason. Here's another reason. Babies need forgiveness. Now, I know we got a little baby sitting over there, and it looks so cute and so sweet and so innocent, but so sinful, too. Those of you that ever had one or raised one who have ever seen one know that they are sinful. The Bible says that everyone, that's babies included, are born sinful and in need of forgiveness. Scripture does not say anything about the age of accountability that begins at the age of reason that some churches say. There are some churches, believe it or not, who don't think that children begin sinning until they're like 8 or 10 or 12. How old is Caleb? 8. Has Caleb ever sinned? Repeatedly, right. (laughs) Now, some churches believe that. The Bible teaches, however, that accountability begins when? At conception. King David says in Psalm 51, verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. That's a fancy word for sin. And he says, And in sin my mother conceived me. The Bible teaches us about original sin, that the corruption and the guilt of Adam and Eve's very first sin is passed on to every human being at conception. And even Jesus affirms this in John. He says, Flesh gives birth to flesh. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 5. He said, So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. 
That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who believes not shall be damned. See, Jesus makes no exceptions. Now, I know that there are some people, some churches, who practice what they call baby dedication. This is going to be very blunt, I'm sure, but parents who think they're placing their children under God's grace simply by dedicating them are probably deceiving themselves. The only dedication known in the New Testament is the dedication that takes place via baptism. That's why little children, babies, ought to be baptized. Like everyone else, they desperately need the forgiveness that God so richly wants to pour out to them through his son Jesus. So infants, babies, like everyone else, need to be baptized so they can be born again. Jesus said, unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's why we believe and teach and confess that baptism is God's special means of grace for children in which he causes them to be born again. And to keep a small child from baptism is to keep them away from forgiveness and to greatly endanger them. Here's a third reason. Baptism replaces circumcision. Now, I bet that's one none of you ever thought about. In fact, it's not one of the things that we actually talk much about in the church. But I want to take you back to the Old Testament. If you were to go back to Genesis 17, God established a covenant relationship with his people. And a sign of that covenant relationship was that every male child was to be circumcised when that child was eight days old. And by circumcision, that baby entered into a covenant relationship with the one true God. And along comes Paul then in the New Testament. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and he teaches us that baptism has now replaced circumcision. He writes, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism. Now, given that simple fact, friends, it would have been natural for first century Jewish believers to baptize babies since they were very much accustomed to circumcising them at eight days. It's also very logical that if God regarded eight-day-old circumcised male babies as members of his covenant people, he also would regard newborn babies to be members of his kingdom through baptism, that circumcision made without hands. Here's a fourth reason why we would baptize small children, and it's this, that infants can believe. You know, the most frequent objection to infant baptism is that little babies cannot believe. They do not, say the objection, have the intellect necessary to repent and believe in Jesus. Now, if that's your opinion, that little babies cannot believe, uh, let me tell you who disagrees with you. Jesus. Jesus disagrees with you. Many of you are very familiar with the story in Luke chapter 18 where it says that certain people were bringing little children to Jesus so that he might bless them. We know that the disciples disagreed with that, in fact, tried to shoo the parents and these little ones away. 
Jesus' response to that is very well known. He said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Now, it's an unfortunate translation that we actually have that word little children in there. I mean, some people have objected that by little children, people were bringing five and six and seven-year-olds up to Jesus. Yet the very little children that the disciples were forbidding were infants. Now, you might say, well, how do I know that they were infants, that they were babies? Well, very simply, by going back to the original language in which the New Testament was written. And in the Greek language of the New Testament, what word is there? It said that they bought brephe to Jesus. And brephe has always been translated as infants, babies. Isn't that interesting? Clearly, Jesus had babies in mind in what he said. Now, let me ask you, does that Bible passage speak of infant baptism? No, not directly. It does show, however, that Jesus did not raise the objection that so many people do today about babies not being able to believe. According to Jesus in that passage, what is he saying? If we translate it literally, let the little babies come to me and do not forbid these little babies, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little baby will by no means enter into it. See, according to Jesus, these babies had what it took to be members of the kingdom of God, feeble intellect and all. Do not forbid them, Jesus said, for such is the kingdom of God. See, repeatedly through the Bible, Jesus teaches us that it is by faith, that's the way in which we get into God's kingdom. I mean, if, you were, if I were to ask you today, how many of you are part of God's kingdom? How many of you are Christians? And you raise your hand, I might ask, how is that possible? And you say, it is by faith. That's what we're taught in Ephesians 2, isn't it? For by faith are you saved, or by grace are you saved, through your faith. When he's talking about babies, Jesus says, for if such is the kingdom of God, he's telling us that babies can believe. I mean, how else could they actually enter the kingdom? Now, if Jesus maintained that babies can believe, even though their faith would be very simple, who are we to deny baptism to them? And who are we to deny baptism to anyone who would believe? I mean, for those who still stumble over the whole issue of infant faith, remember, it is purely by God's grace that any person, adult or child, can believe. One of the things I almost always say when we baptize a small child is that baptism is not something we do. And that often is the biggest dividing line between denominations. For some people think that baptism is something that we do when we're ready, when we believe, we come forward, we do this. And we say, no, baptism is something God does. And it's something that only God can do. You see, friends, faith is the gift of the Holy Spirit for the adult as much as it is for the child. When a grown-up person believes in Jesus... It's only because of the Holy Spirit working through the gospel. That's what we believe in our creeds. It says, but he has called us by the gospel, enlightened us with his gifts, sanctified us in the one true faith. 
He's, see, working through the gospel, he creates faith in the heart of an adult. And so it is with that little one who's brought for baptism. And I think we've got a baptism coming up here in a couple of weeks. We're going to see that exacted again one more time. So if faith then is always a miracle, why can we not believe that God would work such a miraculous faith in a baby? Now, some, some people might say, well, pastor, if that's true, if babies can believe, then why do they need baptism? Well, the answer is, is because it's through baptism that faith is created in the infant's heart. I always think of babies as like little hot water heaters. They do a pretty good job generating hot water. I know that. That's what some of you think. But you know, what does it take to have hot water in that hot water heater? It takes something to ignite it. And so in baptism, when you come through the water and the word, what is God doing? God is lighting the pilot light of faith. Now, we also know that what keeps the pilot light going? That's just a little flickering faith, maybe, a little flicker. That's why we ask moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas. That's why we ask the church. That's why we ask the sponsors, the godparents. Do you promise to do what? To bring them to the services of God's house, to place into their hands the Holy Scriptures, to teach them the prayers, you know, to surround them. You know, I'm going to ask you in a couple weeks when we do this baptism, will you do everything in your power to see to it that this child grows up to be a child of God? See, baptism, far from being some empty symbolism, is the visible gospel. It's a powerful means of grace. Now, up on this screen, you can see, I mean, this, is just a, this is a small part of what baptism does for somebody. I mean, baptism washes away sin. Baptism saves us. Baptism causes one to die to sin, to be buried and raised up with Christ. Baptism causes one to be clothed with Christ. Baptism causes one to be a member of the body of Christ. That's the power of baptism. One last thing that I'd share with you, and it's this, one other reason. It's because we have the practice of the early church to fall back on. Now, those people who deny infant baptism have another problem. Their problem is this. They need to explain why the first century church fathers speak of infant baptism as a universal custom. Now, who are these early church fathers? Well, these are the people who followed immediately after the death of the apostles. And so when we look at those writings of those people who wrote in the years 100, 200, 300, right after the death of James and John and Peter and Andrew and all of the other disciples, we begin to look at people like Arrhenius, people by the name of Origen or Cyprian or Augustine or Augustine, however you'd like to pronounce it. We see that they all spoke of infant baptism as accepted custom. I've got one quote up there by Origen. Let me share a couple of others. Irenaeus said, For he came to save all through means of himself, all, I say, who through him are born again to God, infants and children and boys and youths and old men. Augustine said, From the infant newly born to the old man bent with age, as there is none shut out from baptism, so there is none who in baptism does not die to sin. Or the one that I put up there from Origen. 
the church has received from the apostles the custom of administering baptism even to infants. For those who have been entrusted with the secrets of divine mysteries knew very well that all are tainted with the stain of original sin, which must be washed off by water and spirit. Now, friends, I have listed for you this morning five reasons why Christians would practice infant baptism. The first reason should have been enough, to be quite honest. It's kind of like the T-shirt that I've seen a mother wear walking her child. It says, because I said so. I mean, reason number one ought to be enough. Jesus said so. He commanded us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. He made absolutely no exceptions. Infants are all part, are part of all nations, as are every other age group. And guess what? We really don't need to prove this. It's God's word. The burden of proof is really on those who deny that children are included in that phrase, all nations. Now, to deny the blessings of infant baptism because you cannot find the words infant baptism in the Bible makes about as much sense as rejecting the teaching of the Trinity because you cannot find the word Trinity or triune in the Bible. I look at it this way. Lord Jesus has commanded us to baptize all nations. Lord Jesus has declared that everyone who dies without faith is damned. And Lord Jesus has taught us that infants can believe by God's grace working through baptism. That's what Lord Jesus says. Lord Reason, on the other hand, says, I don't understand it. I don't understand how a baby can believe. Therefore, I reject infant baptism. Lord Reason says, it makes more sense to me to do it my way. I guess my question to you this morning, friends, is which Lord will you obey? Will you obey Lord Jesus and what he has to say in his word about baptism, even though you might not fully understand it? Or will you choose to obey Lord Reason and reject it because you just plain simple can't understand it? Which Lord will you obey? This morning in our affirmation of faith, you can see it'll be up on the screen. It's also in your worship folder. We'll have you stay seated for this because it's a little bit longer. I've taken the words of what is the sacrament of baptism all about directly from Luther's small catechism. And I want us to read it together this morning as a way, again, of affirming what it is that we believe about holy baptism. So we begin. Now let me ask you, what is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word. Which is that word of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What benefits does baptism give? It works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. Which are these words and promises of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, 
Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. How can water do such great things? Certainly not just water, but the word of God in and with the water does these things, along with the faith which trusts this word of God in the water. For without God's word, the water is plain water and no baptism. But with the word of God, it is a baptism that is a life-giving water, rich in grace, and a washing of the new birth in the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul says in Titus chapter 3. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. What does such baptizing with water indicate? It indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. And where is this written? St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too, God, we too may live a new life. Let's stand for our closing blessing.